0: Welcome to Equivalence by Yves List, a mission-based initiative offering an unbiased source of info to people who aspire to make informed decisions and grow their career in companies who care about gender equity. I am Sophie Luray and in this podcast, I want to open a dialogue about the notion of equivalence and how it looks like in everyday personal actions and corporate decisions. I invite change agents, men and women who are making it happen in their team, industry, and communities to talk about their journey, their practical tips, their moments of doubt and epiphanies. I hope you enjoy it and tell us what you want to hear about at hello at evelist.org. Crypto has been the best-performing asset class over the last year. Bitcoin has consistently earned higher returns as compared to stocks, except in 2018. And according to a recent ING International survey, 25% of Europeans, 21% of Americans, and 15% of Australians intend to own crypto assets in the future. Still today, Bitcoin transactions account for just under 9% by women. Tapping into the women investors market would be obviously a massive driver for the industry, but it requires to evolve and take both male and female perspective into account. Furthermore, the lack of diversity in crypto has deep and lasting implications beyond the sense of a need for equal opportunity. Blockchain is redefining the global financial system and the risk will run by allowing uniformity among its creators is to end with biased products. Biased products in finance lead to preventing a people's group from access to financial growth. A perfect example of that was the U.S. credit system prior to 1974, which barred women from applying for a credit card, one of the most basic forms of financial inclusion. So today, To discuss this, I invited a very early adopter and advocate of Bitcoin, the Dubai-based qualified lawyer and certified blockchain expert, Irina Hever. Irina gained experience in-house as a regional general counsel and in private practice as a partner in a law firm. She worked across the world advising on projects and transactions in the oil and gas, the mining, construction, maritime, and emerging technology sectors, a particular skill is on structuring legally compliant market entry, growth and capital formation for technology companies specifically focusing on fintech, AI, blockchain infrastructure projects. So she structured several asset tokenization projects and consulted multiple governments and regulators on policies surrounding such emerging technology as blockchain and artificial intelligence. She's a certified blockchain expert and absolutely passionate about designing token economic models and logic for smart contracts. So Irina, welcome and thank you for accepting my invitation.
1: Thank you, Sofia. I'm absolutely delighted to be here. Um, that introduction of yours, that summary of yours about Bitcoin and crypto and the financial systems and why it is important, it gave me chills because this is exactly why I'm doing this. This is exactly why people like me are shouting about Bitcoin on every corner and making uh, as many uh, women grab their phone, download the wallet (laughs) and like just dive into that because you can think
0: about it, you can contemplate or I can just make you do that right here in front of me. Yeah, we met four or five years ago, and I've always been very inspired by the passion you put in everything you do. And in particular, when it comes to supporting emerging technologies. So let's dive into it. You started your career as a lawyer in quite traditional sectors. So where did the interest for blockchain and crypto come from? And how did it transform your career? Take us through that journey a bit.
1: Yes, so I come from an oil and gas engineering family. My grandfather was a petroleum engineer, dad was a drilling engineer, mom is a mining engineer, hydrogeologist, uh, another granddad is a drilling engineer, grandma is a geologist. So when I told my family that I don't want to be a petroleum engineer or a geologist, they were, of course, shocked. what's going on? Uh, Where did we fail? (laughs) We clearly went wrong somewhere here. And I said I wanted to be a lawyer. I was uh, always quite passionate about advocating for justice uh, or advocating for what is right. Of course, when you are a child, you know, not, Understand the concept of justice, but you understand what is right and what is wrong, or you have some sort of uh, uh, ingrained sort of feeling. So, I mentioned, I announced very early to my family that I'm going to be a lawyer. I actually didn't even know those words. I said I will be a judge because I wanted to make things right. And a few years later, I graduated as a lawyer and my grandfather strongly advised to me that I get internship in an oil and gas industry and so I did. So my first job while I was actually still completing my law degree was one of the largest Danish oil and gas companies called mersk oil. That was just mm. so good and I loved it so much that you know I kind of stuck in the oil and gas industry and then people ask me and quite a logical question right if you're not from oil and gas industry, A logical question, how did you make that leap from oil and gas to emerging technology? And then my question back to you is, where do you think all this emerging technology come from? Where do you think big data came from? Oil and gas. Why? Because when you drill, you get all of the data from underground. Then you need analytics, you need software, you need huge computing systems that that run models. Is there oil in there or there is no oil in there? This is your early days of big data and analytics and Mm -hmm. primitive machine learning and even AI. Then when you're like deep underwater in the ocean and you need to connect the pipes, what do you do? You launch it. Uh, robots. So you launch robots that go in there, you remotely operate them, they connect things together. So that's your early days of drones. And I, I remember my very first project in 2001 had to do with cryptographically securing drilling rigs, uh, some platforms called scatter platforms. We were cryptographically securing them because, you know, some kids kept hacking into software. So this is, you know, the quick, this is your, you know, early days of cryptography. So oil and gas industry has the largest number of PhD candidates than any other industry. Why? Because oil is expensive. It's very profitable to produce it. It's very profitable to sell it. So of course, a lot of money is invested in R&D, in research and development. And the more money invested in research and development, more things are being discovered and more things are being discovered. Mm. And it becomes that sort of loop. So of course, now drones became super sexy. But you know, I was working on drone technology in 2001. So for me, it's like okay, fair enough. You've got a thing and you remotely operate it. It's <laughs> of course makes perfect sense to me. So while well, I was working in the oil and gas industry, and you might think you know all I was doing, I don't know, shoving oil, but not, no, that's not what a lawyer does in the oil and gas industry. We do a lot of support for research and development teams. We do a lot of support for software teams. So, that love for technology, or that uh, I, had no, I had no option. I, I had to understand how the drone works. What is that software that we're developing? What is this huge mm. computer that is sitting in our basement? And why is it buzzing so loud? So, it came very natural to me. And I, my continued involvement in the technology sector continued. Uh, I worked in the construction industry, I worked in the maritime industry. So when I was a regional general counsel of Maersk, the largest shipping group in the world, what did we do in 2014? We used blockchain, blockchain. to automate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we used blockchain to automate shipping. And in that pilot project, it was a container of flowers sent from somewhere in Africa to somewhere in Europe. In that process alone, for that one container, using blockchain allowed us to save 400 pieces of paper. So imagine you send a container from one country to another. Imagine how many stamps needs to be stamped and signatures placed and papers received and papers issued. Imagine how, much, how many humans are involved in the process. So imagine the cost associated with shipping a container, a lot of that is just doing the paperwork and then the paperwork gets lost and then the guy who was supposed to have a stamp, he went for lunch and then the guy who was supposed to sign something, his grandmother <laughs> is in the hospital. So, you know, there be huge delays and shipping industry keeps the world running. So if you can automate that, imagine the, the efficiencies and the time savings yeah. involved. So that's when I thought, okay, so blockchain has... More application rather than just Bitcoin because I knew about Bitcoin quite a while back and I completely dismissed it because this is not the first time when we have an attempt for peer to peer electronic money. This is not the first time. Bitcoin did not appear out of a vacuum. There's been years and years of development and projects and trials and tribulations. So we had funny internet money in the past and that's what I thought Bitcoin was. And then I realized, uh, you know, in 2014, 2015, when Bursk was working on this blockchain project, I realized, okay, so there's a bit more to that. It's not just funny internet money, it's programmable money. That was my path down the rabbit hole. (laughs) I never looked back.
0: Interesting. I read recently that crypto is the uh, investment of choice for millennials. And I read a survey where it read that 20% of this age group when the question about what do they do with their disposable income they invest in bitcoin why is it so so imagine you are what a
1: 25 year old kid nowadays you got used to immediately getting everything right so you go on facebook you immediately know where your friends are you go to whatsapp you immediately message your family you bought something on amazon you immediately want your delivery the next day so this is this immediate thing and remember when (laughs) when you and i in our early career days used to send each other foxes and you know yeah. <laughs> you print something out, you give it to the secretary, the secretary goes and faxes it, then two days later, God willing, I receive a response from you. Interrupting you on this, I started with telex, Irina. Well, yeah, I was about <laughs> to say I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit younger, so I didn't do the letters and I didn't do like Uh, uh Yes, yeah, so yeah. Imagine you're a 25 year old kid, and then you have to go to a bank to open a bank account. You actually have to leave your house. Like, what is this? Why can't you know? Why can't I poke some uh, things on my phone? No, I have to go to a bank. I have to submit the paperwork. So I don't have many experiences opening bank accounts in Europe, for example, but in Dubai, it's ridiculous. In the UAE, it's ridiculous. You have a legitimate business, like for example, I have a law firm. The time it takes to open an account is is just unbelievable. It's a bank account for God's sake. Then uh, you have a bank account, you get approved, you're lucky, you got approved for a bank account. But there are some nationalities that cannot open a bank account. Uh, From uh, from a country where uh, your country government is supposed to be doing something that you know other governments don't like, you can't open a bank account. That's it. And then imagine you want to be—you have a smartphone, you have Wi-Fi. In less than thirty seconds, you have a wallet on your phone, and you can pay in crypto. You can receive crypto. You can work. Let's say all those, you know, platforms, Fiverr or whatever it's called, you provide your services, people can immediately pay you in crypto. I mean, how's that in comparison with, you know, the six months process that I just described? So um, 30 seconds, you download the wallet, here you go, you're banked. But this is what I'm talking about from the uh, utility point of view. When you look at Bitcoin, Bitcoin is a technology, but also Bitcoin is a payment system like PayPal, for example, I can pay you, you can pay me. I can pay that guy that I've never met in my life, et cetera, et cetera. But also Bitcoin is an asset class, like an investment asset class. So when you look at Bitcoin, it has these three properties. So when you say, why are millennials investing in Bitcoin, uh, putting all their disposable income in Bitcoin? Well, it's easy. It's super easy. You don't need to research 600 different share stocks. Okay, Tesla is always on Twitter, so I expect some people are buying Tesla. That's why the prices are just going completely through the roof. Uh, Whether it's sustainable or not, that's a totally question. Not to me because I know nothing about the share trading, but Bitcoin is Bitcoin. Everybody knows what Bitcoin is and my cousin has some and my friend has some, so I should have some, right? And also if you look at the parabolic price increases, that's quite uh, astonishing. In March 2020, the price was under $5,000. In December 2020, it was hitting $42,000. Like, seriously, of course, kids look at it. Everybody likes this sort of graphs, but of course, they're still young. They have not seen the opposite of it, where Bitcoin goes down 30% in a day. Mm. So, I guess it's exciting. It's new. It's technology. It's instant. It's this instant gratification that you can get on your phone. I guess that's why I think.
0: Yeah, and with the appetite for risk that a 25-year-old has as well, because you have all your life to you know, make up for a loss if there's a loss eventually, which allows you to invest more into something that can be seen as risky. Although, like I said in, in my introduction, it looks like it's not so, so risky at the end of the day. If you're in for the long run, you are bound to make a great return. I don't think Bitcoin is risky. I think not having any
1: Bitcoin exposure is risky. It doesn't matter where you are in your risk appetite or age or whatever. Not having exposure to Bitcoin in your assets, I think that is risky. I'm not saying, Sophie, put all your money, sell all your property and put it in Bitcoin. No, God, no. What I'm saying is exposure. Let's say one to 5% put it in Bitcoin. Because the thing is, Let's say you put 2% of your assets in Bitcoin. And we're talking about Bitcoin as an asset class now. We're not talking about Bitcoin as a technology or Bitcoin as a payment network. Bitcoin is an asset class. So you put 2% of your assets in Bitcoin. Let's say Bitcoin goes to zero. Let's say, okay, it's only 2% of your assets, not a big deal. Let's say Bitcoin goes to where people are predicting it will go. We've got, you know, $500,000 predictions, $400,000 predictions. We have $1 million predictions. Let those 2% of your asset allocation goes to those $500,000. Now, look at the upside you have made. So the upside, contrary to the downside, it's just so big gap. So it almost, you know, the risk analysis doesn't even make sense. You know, why would you not do that? It makes no sense. Why would you not do that?
0: Yeah, Uh, Actually, uh, it's interesting uh, now to kind of of dig into what women do with regards to to Bitcoin and and let's talk about investment. I I saw a recent poll of female investors by an organization called Daxi that showed that 41% of the women that were surveyed were looking to purchase crypto assets of more than a thousand pounds in the next 12 months. And that the major barrier to their investing was due to a a lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding about the asset class. In 2018, I remember we had the pleasure to host a crypto investment workshop together at the Will Forum in Dubai since you you mentioned that there was a, a general knowledge gap, and in particular in the professional women community. So I guess my question is a bit skewed, but why is it so important to you that women educate themselves about crypto? And has it got better since 2018? This survey doesn't seem to show that, but uh, tell me more about that. I like to
1: quote one of the comedian, um, I forgot his name, but he said, uh, cryptocurrency is everything that you don't know about technology, combined with everything you don't understand about money. And that's a very great explanation monetary systems are so confusing and so difficult and we are not taught investments we're not taught how to pay your rent we're not taught how to budget in school we're not instead we're taught some rubbish we never use right now technology okay so computers we understand smartphones we understand but now crypto i have to use a wallet and i have to use private keys and public keys and how do I do that? And I need to secure this and the cybersecurity that. So it seems to be almost like a scary thing, which is not. Once at that will form, once I showed ladies who were attending how easy it is, they downloaded the wallet right in front of me. I send them some crypto immediately. They received it then they sent to a guy next to them. Then they sent to a girl next to them. Then they realized like, oh, okay, so I can just transfer value or transmit value via internet. It's like, yes, this is the internet of money. So once they sort of realize that it's not scary at all, uh, it's not difficult at all, it's easier than online banking, and the fees are much less than online banking, so then they just start doing it. Guys, I think, have a slightly different point that they come from. Let's think about who were the early adopters of Bitcoin. Gamers, so those you know, guys and girls, mostly guys. Uh, I don't know what, how many gamers uh, women are there. Probably in comparison, not that much. So gamers are playing their Warcraft, or I don't know what else they're playing there, and they got used to virtual money because they buy the virtual outfits and the virtual guns and I don't know what else and they traded and you you know you can buy these things on Amazon it's ridiculous mind-blowing so when Bitcoin was first started making its rounds they're like okay that makes sense virtual money I understand because I bought this cool AK-47 uh, for my new game <laughs> I understand uh, uh, virtual money so they were the early adopters of Bitcoin there were not that many women there to start with right they were gigs they were internet yeah. gigs that it went further. So the internet geek has a friend who's another internet geek, and then that geek is an IT guy, and that IT guy has another friend who's uh, an IT guy, and so he went and uh, uh, manually converted twenty of his IT guy friends to become Bitcoin adopters. So it became it was all word of mouth. Then there were forums where guys would discuss Bitcoin and this and that, and then uh, like teams started building new software, uh, easy to use new platforms so it becomes a club and then you're a, an outsider wanting to enter that club and don't even think back to 2011 or 2012 that's the time frame i'm describing now think to 2016 i was the only woman speaker at cryptocurrency events at blockchain events i was the only one that was 2016 and I'm quite, I mean, you know me, I'm quite loud, outspoken. I have no problem being in the the only woman on stage, and I have no problem telling whoever it is in front of me that I agree with them or I don't agree with them, and here's the reasons why. Because uh, I come from the oil and gas industry, right? I was the only female on the ground. <laughs> <day. laughs> So I was the only female in a drilling rig in my overalls, in my hard hat and uh, capped steel shoes. You're not going to scare me. I'm on a stage in a five-star hotel. You're not going to scare me. I'll tell you what I think because I had to do that on a drilling rig. Completely different environment, you know, scary-looking six-foot-five guys guys, with... with the drilling equipment and there's like a, a lawyer from the office saying, oh, no, we shouldn't do this. We shouldn't do this. So that was really character building, by the way. So think about 2016 was at an event and there are no women there. And you know how important, if anybody knows how important representation is, that would be you, Sophie. Yeah. Anybody understands how important uh, for younger women, not even younger women, just for for, for generally a woman to see, yes, there's a woman CEO, so I can something reach to. Yes, there are women in this company, so I want to join this company. Uh, Yes, there are some alternative opinions being expressed at this forum and people are welcoming yes i'm different to them let's say i'm a woman or let's say i'm of a different religion different nationality different race but yes i'm being welcomed so i i I feel like i can contribute but if you feel excluded if you feel there's no room for you at that table do you want to be at that table probably not yeah so it's it has such a long history of why Bitcoin was predominantly um, male-run, and there's also um, not much now. But back in the day when Bitcoin went from, let's say, $10 to $1,000, a lot of young guys, those, you know, young geeks got very rich, very quick, and they become to display characters which are just, you know, something, something I, you don't want to be anywhere near there. I was at those events where they will order certain type of entertainment, and it was just disgusting. I didn't want to be there. so. Luckily, that bro culture, that crypto bro culture, as it was called, is going away. Luckily, there are more and more professional women and professional men as well, because you have to elevate everyone. It doesn't matter, man, woman, gender, uh, religion, nationality, you have to elevate everyone. So I can see that the quality and the class and the education level and just the general attitude got elevated a lot and that's all thanks to bitcoin becoming a, like a tradition almost becoming a traditional asset class you know traditional asset class yeah. yeah banks are trading it i mean i don't think there's a bank in switzerland where i'm right now that is not either in bitcoin already or trying to roll out some Bitcoin-related services. And that's great because those banks have a lot of professional men, have a lot of professional women, and we elevate, collectively, we elevate the the consciousness of the community, the education level of the
0: community, the engagement of the community, and the open-mindedness of the community as well. I was about to ask you about that because I see that a shift has happened in 2020 in particular. I guess what you're describing is a revolutionary technology enters the mainstream and therefore has to you know, go through the, the process of being revolutionary on one side, which, which is great, but it has its little uh, perks. And when it comes in the mainstream, it gets tamed a bit. <laughs> In a recent coin uh, market report, I, I saw that there was an unprecedented increase in the number of women involved in the crypto market. It was showing that the number of female crypto users increased by 43.24% during the first quarter of 2020, which is huge. Some exchanges saw surges as high as 160% surge amongst new female users. So I'm just putting this in what you were saying. I guess it's part of what you're describing, right? This change in the culture of crypto.
1: Yes, the change in the culture also as more... Men who have higher values or more reasonable Mm -hmm. values, I don't know how to describe it, as they enter (laughs) the industry, they actually look down to a bad behavior by other participants, or they promote good behavior by example, and that makes it a much more comfortable for women to be there. But also, there are a lot of different nationalities, different cultures, different religions, different races that just makes it a, a more diverse place to be in, and also that becoming mainstream. Because women are not the most adventurous when it comes to investments. And you know Mm. that there are several attempts in Dubai, for example, to set up women angel investment communities. And as far as I can see, they have failed. Women are just not adventurous in parting with their money. There's not that many women in venture capital. There's not that many women angel investors. So, of course, before I put in my money into some funny internet geek currency, I need to sort of be so much more sure that it's the right thing to do mm. whereas guys are like okay you know what am i gonna lose I'm, I'm really generalizing here but those generalizations are anecdotal evidence that we see and the numbers that we see as well of course there are some women who are you know not concerned with that yeah and another thing which i think has happened is as more women entering let's say those cryptocurrency exchanges, more product becoming women-friendly. Imagine a cryptocurrency exchange, because that's where you buy Bitcoin, let's say, that is run by crypto bros so this toxic crypto bro culture is everything is in the copy they write is in the digital material they produce is in the website design website interface in their trading interface and when you go in there you look at it and go like oh my god what is this and then you just say thank you very much close exit but as the women enter those companies they are becoming you know more reasonable in their design in their copy in their interface in their digital material and everything so of course uh, you know those users who now come in They're like okay that's easy to use there's no like obscene pictures thrown at me so of course <laughs> i will use that you're laughing but there's an actual thing that happened a couple of months ago uh, a friend of mine a really good decent amazing i love him so much uh he's a chairman one of the largest cryptocurrency companies in the world And uh, he messages me saying, "Arena, we set up a cryptocurrency investment club in Zurich. Why don't you join? Uh, I was like, okay, sounds good. Why not? I'm in. He goes, but you know what? We're having such a problem attracting women to our club. And you know how I'm very like for gender equality and for, you know, any equality. So why don't you join and then help us to recruit as many women as possible? Fair enough. Uh, I can do that. Send me, send me the material. And then he sends me the deck of that crypto investment club, and I look at the deck, and it's just—I understood immediately in the first second. I did not need anything else. Why no woman would join their club? Then I message him back saying, um, "Has any woman participated in preparation of this deck?" He goes, no, 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 we hired this digital company. There's like two guys who run it. They prepared the deck for us. I was like, well, you know why? You, don't have, you would never have a new woman joining your club based on this material that you distribute. And he absolutely did not see the problem. <laughs> I can hear you laughing. So I'm sure you know what was on this deck. And I'm sure you've seen it over and over and over again. But I said, like, not a single woman would join your club unless you change the perception. and i had to point out like i had to highlight the words i had to highlight the pictures he did not see it and then he's like oh okay of course and uh, so then then they went to another digital marketing agency and they're now preparing different material more gender-friendly, let's say, more nationality-friendly, more race-friendly, let's say, and now they're preparing new revised. I mean, it was a beautiful deck. It was beautifully designed, black and white uh,
0: pictures for a band of brothers.
1: Yes, 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 exactly. Uh but those pictures represented, you know, very young, very well dressed, uh young girls uh serving drink to guys at the table with cigars (laughs) discussing business. Do I as a woman want to be there? Of course not. everything in that deck screamed that I am not invited. Everything in that deck screamed that either there to serve a drink. And there was a next slide was hilarious. Beautiful women, model like, drinking cocktails at the bar while guys in the background talking business. So <laughs> it's like, I'm neither a guy in the background yeah. with a cigar nor a girl wanting to see at that at the bar drinking cocktails cocktail? Why would I be in your club? So once women are involved in designing a market proposition or like a product, then it becomes a more reasonable product, I would think. Um, another funny anecdote I have I have for you is back a couple of years ago when I was a co-founder of the cryptocurrency exchange in the Middle East, we needed a name for a new product. We had a couple of people, they were brainstorming the names, and then they would send uh, me and my co founder, let's say, a shortlist, and we had a call to discuss the shortlist. I have not seen the shortlist because I was busy with something else. Then I get on a call and I look at the shortlist, and I was laughing my head off. So the top name that they had designed before me even joined the call was Flow. Flow. That was the name for the new product. Flow. And I look at okay. them, I was like, So they're not. We're not naming the
0: product
1: in red. And then and they would look at me like I'm the stupid person. Like Raina, what's the problem with you? It's such a great name, Flo. I was like, are we designing a hygiene product. No, we're not. So the product economical flow. Then I had to explain to them, and just so listeners know, you did not know the story, but you immediately understood what's the problem with that thing, yeah. right? Well, yeah. And the guys, I had to explain to them using, you know, sticks and fingers that that is not what you call a thing. I, you know, I have so many anecdotes like this. Looking at it, thinking, no woman participated in the development of this thing, because no woman would let this go through. And also, just forget about crypto. I mean, let's look at the wider issue. AI, for example. I advise uh, a lot of um, AI projects. Uh, Same. I mean, some AI face recognition software does not recognize people who are not of a white race, who are not of a Caucasian race. Because all Caucasians participated in the development of that software. Yep. That is just outrageous, and and the same for the medical products, for the safety products. No female participated in the development of seatbelts, for example, in the early days. So they were just not fitting the uh, the
0: woman's yeah. body. And there's so many stories like this, but we don't learn. Crushes them in size. I mean, there's so many. What's outrageous is not necessarily that the AI developer has his own biases, because we all have biases and there's not much we can do about it except recognizing them when we're facing them. What needs to change is the representation within the team, so we counterbalance each other's biases. Just to complete a little bit on what you were talking about when when it comes to gender representations in technology and in particular in crypto. I read that on PitchBook, out of the 378 for exactly venture backed crypto and blockchain companies founded globally between 2012 and 2018, only one out of 378 had an all female founding team, and 31 had a combination of male and female founders. So during the same period, and that's quite interesting to compare. 17.7% of all tech companies had at least one female founder. So it's not much, but it's way better than in crypto. Mm. No women, as of today, is to be found on the top richest crypto investors list. And depending on the source that I looked into, female participation in the crypto community, and that is a a wider range of people, developers, investors, and individuals, uh, interested people, it oscillates between 4 and 6%. So what you're describing is the result of that and considering that we still are 50% of the population or maybe a little bit more than that and that women are more and more accessing disposable income and like we discussed in the first part of the talk that women are very interested in investing in cryptocurrencies and in particular in bitcoin. There's a call for a massive, massive change of culture and a massive inclusion of gender and obviously racial as well in the industry. Because until that is done, we will still see marketing material with sexy girls serving cocktails while guys are smoking cigars and talking about the important stuff of life. So how do we go about it? Because like any other male-dominated industries, you see women, but they tend to be overrepresented in HR, in marketing, in PR, and uh, not much in token design or engineering. So what do you recommend to kind of pass that sexist age of the industry and move into a a more uh, diverse and more mature, I guess, path? So...
1: I'm sure there are better and smarter ways of doing that. And I'm sure there are much smarter people out there who who have some sort of solutions. I don't have those solutions and I don't really dwell on that. On a, you know, let's say a world uh, solution. I do what I can do one step at a time. For example, I'm invited a lot to speak at conferences. I'm happily accepting that. And then I look at the speakers list and I say, and I pick up the phone to the event organizer, the guy at the top normally the guy <laughs> and I say okay you know what I can see a, a, a big of a problem here you have you know two female speakers how about I help you I know exactly what he will tell me because that I heard it all oh I can't how, how, find a good women speakers oh they're not interested oh they're shy I'll like, okay, i find two speakers so I'll go out there uh, especially back in 2016 uh, go out there it's much easier now but back in 2016 was quite hard and I would get uh, women from auditing companies, from law firms—I mean, sort of related industry. Specifically, not crypto because I was none, but more from related industries. Developers who develop the software, and uh, they sort of understand what a token is. They might have taught themselves coding uh, on uh, Solidity coding—that's the coding language of Ethereum network, for example. So I would, you know, manually go and recruit people, or for example, the event that you organized, I came to you and saying, Sophie, how about we run a crypto education uh, yeah. workshop? You said, okay, fantastic. Here you go. Here's a corner for you. Do whatever you want. So two days, I was there in the corner with three of my colleagues and we were manually onboarding women to crypto, uh, or for example, I do a lot of writing on social media, and I uh, quite moved when younger women send me messages, or any women send me messages saying, "Oh, thank you for the work you do because of your." I read this post and then I read that post, and I started educating myself, and I actually want to go further into that, and I'm looking into this. I mean, that's that's wonderful. So uh, I can't save the world, but I, if I encourage 100 women a year to go into crypto to sort of turn their mind to that either as a technology which is fantastic we need more women in technology either as a payment network which is fantastic because so many more women are underbanked and unbanked throughout the world and using Bitcoin as a, you know, in 30 seconds, bam, you're banked. Or Bitcoin as an asset class because women generally not taking risks and they're generally very careful with their investments or not investing at all. If I can interest, let's say, 100 women across the three verticals, I'd be very happy. That's my target achieved for the year. If there's more than that, it's even better. I onboard one woman, then she goes and tells for 10 friends, right? It's a network effect. How is there a way to expedite this network effect? I'm sure there is. I'm sure there's smart ways and good ways. And there's lots of really supportive men in crypto who are producing a lot of education material. And I send that material to anybody who would ask. So it's becoming better, for sure. We're not there yet. Of course not. We'll be there Eventually, I really hope so, because no industry can survive without the participation of 50% of the population. We have 50% of the population, even more, so no industry can survive without our participation.
0: Amen to that. Amen <laughs> to that. <laughs> Irina, it is such a pleasure to speak with you and, and to hear your your stories. It's so much fun as well. You're so engaging that I'm sure a lot of people will want to stay connected with you. So would you tell us where can we do so if anyone wants to connect with you? The
1: easiest way to find me is on LinkedIn, Irina Heaver, and send me a message. I try to respond to all my LinkedIn messages unless they're obnoxious ones. Those ones I just ignore. And believe me, I receive so many obnoxious messages. I just ignore. I don't argue back. I don't fight. I absolutely have no time for negativity in my life. I just ignore them. So send me a a nice message on LinkedIn. (laughs) Or not nice, you know. Tell me what you disagree with. It's absolutely fine. We can have a dialogue, but no (laughs) obnoxious things. LinkedIn, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, but not as much as LinkedIn. LinkedIn, I like that platform very much uh, it has great educated decent people because uh, Twitter is just uh, people just fight with each other I don't have time for this or Instagram people just show pictures of themselves how amazing they are I'm sure they're amazing I'm, I'm, congratulations but LinkedIn I really like that platform so reach out to me on LinkedIn uh, I'd be very happy to connect with you very happy to engage in a conversation if you have have a particular question where to start Uh, i'll send you the reading material if you're working for an emerging technology company and you want to have more women representation reach out to me we can discuss that and i'm sure sophie you can help with your new venture as well in uh, to such companies because believe me there are people out there who really want to make a difference in terms of gender representation because they understand that Women are users and customers, and they can bring in that inflow of funds. So let's make our company as friendly to having those customers is possible so of course that's just that's just business that's just good business and there are people out there who understand that the more women you have in senior leadership roles the more profit you will return to your investors i mean the study after study shows that and proves that what's the threshold i think it's 30 percent, right yes it is Yeah, so if you have 30% or more women in your senior leadership, you will return 15% and more return to your investors. So, I mean, that just makes good business sense to have women as customers, to have women as senior leaders in your company, to have women as part of the industry. It just makes perfect sense. Thank
0: you, Ruina. It was great speaking with you. Thank you so much, Sophie. Thank you for having me. next episode we will be having a chat with award winner film producer and director viva bakshi we will be talking about male Elisha and we will be talking about how a movie can change the game here is a quick peek into next episode you know you spoke about feticide it's when i was filming this farmer i realized that I could not see women or girls, I could not see girls in the village. There was an eerie absence of girls in the village.